0: I love this series we're in at the moment, and I think it's important that we talk about eternity. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Isaiah 43. Come on, let's open the pages of our Bible to Isaiah 43, and if you don't have a Bible today, it's okay. Uh, It's between you and God. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. We'll have it on the screen right behind me. Eternity part three, Isaiah 43 verse eight. In the New Living Translation says this Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together, assemble the peoples of the world. Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen? Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. Verse 13, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we marvel at it. Lord, we marvel at how perfect your word is, how it's perfect in every way. It answers every question. It helps us to know the path forward. It helps us to understand the times we live in. It helps us to understand you better than we did yesterday. So I thank you today, Lord, as we submit, as we fasten up to your word today, that it's going to breathe life into your people. It's going to show us the way forward and it's going to help us in every single way. And so, God, we're grateful for your word today. We thank you that you're going to speak through it, Lord. We thank you for Colonial Kids, the new generation, the next generation that's coming behind us, Lord. We thank you for Colonial Kids, and we ask that you would speak to them as well today, in Jesus' name. And we all said? Amen. Amen. I just want to say as well, when it comes to the preaching of the word in our church, if this is new to you, you're new to our church, new to faith, you know, this is not really like my time to, to have a speech. You know what's that That commercial? We're here to wow you. I'm not here to wow you, but God can. And God through the ages has always wowed people. And so my job is not to wow you. My job is just to breathe out what I believe God has allowed me to breathe in. And so I just pray that today that you could have some faith expectation that God's going to speak through His Word. And it's going to be awesome. So hopefully in this series, you've been immersing yourself and making some time to think. Consider, glean from the Word of God, understand maybe some new things, maybe get a brand new revelation of eternity. Maybe you're new to church, like I just said, you recently made a decision for Jesus. And it's like, man, I I didn't even know anything about eternity. This is kind of new information for me. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And I'm excited about it, but I really pray that it will cause us to think and to consider and to, to come around it for ourselves, but then understand how it can relate to others and the people in our world. We've been on a journey answering some very normal, very, I believe, natural questions that we would ask. Questions like, is heaven real? We started there by talking about the reality of heaven, how, how it is actually real, how it does exist. It's a place and Other questions like, what happens, you know, when my life is over? What's happened to my loved ones? Will people be there? What's it going to look like? And I talked about my friend Arthur Stace in the 1900s in Australia, writing one word on the streets of Australia caused the whole city to ready itself and for the ground to be stirred and to be ready for revival to come, all because of that word, eternity. So we started there. And then last week I talked about, well, if it's in the scope of eternity and how magnificent it is and how God has created it. And like we read just now in Isaiah 43, from eternity to eternity, I am God. Well, what could I possibly do? What what part could I play? What what How, how could I play a part in that? And we talked about, well, that's our opportunity today is to live for Jesus in this moment, connected to heaven, and then to, to spend our life loving and being about the things that Jesus loves. And then finally, the most amazing part, I believe, about last week's message, if you missed it, you've got to go back and watch it, is that we can actually determine in our own way, in our own world, we can actually have an impact on the population of heaven. That we can actually see other people in heaven because of maybe an invite to church or maybe a moment in a conversation or maybe sending someone a message and helping them come around the idea of eternity and eternal life in heaven. So we're going to continue part three today. The title for the message is, What Is It Going to Be Like? What's it going to be like? Eternity in heaven. What can I expect? What does scripture tell us? How can I get my mind around heaven and heaven In eternity, in the scope of eternity, a couple of key verses before we get into it, we're going to cover some ground this morning. So maybe just write these references down. But 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's speaking of what awaits you. Speaking of what's ahead for those that love Him. 1 John 3, it's going to be one of our key texts today. John said this, he said, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Look at this. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. That's a powerful promise about eternal life in heaven. You know, man has always had an obsession with the afterlife, with death and what comes after death. Always had an obsession with what's next. I remember Robert Ferguson from Hillsong Church, great Bible teacher, said something one time that really struck me. He said, in the Victorian age, people were obsessed with the afterlife. Everyone wanted to talk about it, but no one would ever talk about sex. It was a taboo topic. It was like you could talk all day long about the afterlife and what comes next, and your theories and things that you think are going to come, but but don't talk about sex. And now it seems like today, 2022, it's flipped. We live in this consumeristic, hypersexualized society that just wants to talk about that, but no one wants to talk about eternity. But this is why this series matters. There was a study done by the Pew Research Group in 2017 that was re-upped in 2021, just last year. So it's fairly recent, but it says that over 60% 60 of Americans think that heaven is real. And almost half of Americans believe that hell is real. That actually shocked me, by the way. But something like only around 5% believe that they'll actually go to hell. And it's a human thing, isn't it, to hope and to... You see the skew right there, that it's in our human nature. And I could find myself in that camp of just hoping that, man, it's, just, it's, it's all going to work out, right? Wow. That God's got, God's got something in, in in His back pocket. like It's going it's to work out, right? But friends, this is why we need God's Word and the certainty of God's Word. Yeah, and I pray that we as a congregation, as a, as a church, would understand that it's, it's not right to cherry-pick the Bible, Let's be faithful to God's word, and I want to be like the apostle Paul in Acts twenty-seven. Sorry, Acts twenty and verse twenty-seven. He's speaking to the Ephesian elders, and he says, "I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God." We're going to be people of the word of God, but the whole word of God. So what I wanted to do, and this is just a, a weighty thing for me to do as your pastor, is I want to take a moment, and to me, this is faithful stewardship. Before I talk about what heaven is going to be like, I need to talk about what hell is like. And I'm sensitive in this room to where people are at, and I understand that I put myself in that category, that, that you know, this is weighty, this is, this is difficult, and this is tough, and I get it, but I don't want to shy away from it, so I want to take a moment and look at what Scripture tells us. Before we look at what Scripture says about heaven, I want to take a moment, look at what Scripture says about hell. And maybe you're in here today and, hey, if this is your first week coming to church, just hang on. All right? Just strap yourself in, come back next week, it'll all be fine. But this is what the Bible describes. And the Bible talks a lot about hell. It's the truth. It talks a lot about hell and Jesus talked a lot about hell. He talked about it often. And this is a true message for us today, and we need to understand when it comes to hell, we've got to understand that it's eternal. The Bible talks about hell as a place, just like heaven is a place. But it talks about specifically where two things happen, that there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. I'll give you a couple verses, Jude 7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve it as an example by undergoing a punishment, look at this, of eternal fire. The biblical words for hell, hell, by the way, the word actually means cavern or hole. Um, and you see that in the, in the word that we know as hell. But the other words that are used in the Bible are the words Gehenna, Sheol, they're Hebrew words that described hell, but also Hades, which is the Greek word for hell. And it's interesting that Jesus uses the word Gehenna. And if you want to go away and study that word, it's fairly easy to study what that word means, but he uses Gehenna because he wanted the people at the time to understand the parallel between these two things. Gehenna was actually a place. It was a place outside of the city of Jerusalem where God's people at a time lost their way and started to uh, do child sacrifice to the God of Molech. Horrible, awful place. And then King Josiah comes along and turns into a place of refuse, basically a place of burning trash forever. And it was a continual reminder to God's people of the wickedness that he, that went on there. And it's interesting that Jesus uses that word. And he says, this is what it is like. And I want to show you a couple of verses, Matthew 13. This is a good thing to do when you're reading the Bible is you need to let the clear interpret the unclear. So when it comes to reading the Bible, if there's something that you're uncertain about or you don't know about, you need to let what is clear interpret what is unclear. And the best way to do that in the Bible is to read the words of Jesus. Because Jesus gives us clarity. Amen? So Matthew 13, verse 30, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out His kingdom from all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. According to biblical teaching, hell is the state where those who don't have faith in Christ are consigned to suffer eternally. And it says there's continual weeping and continual gnashing of teeth. Louis Giglio said it this way. He said, it's a place of human misery. It sounds awesome, doesn't it? No. But there's a misconception out there that when it comes to hell and this place called hell, have you ever met someone? They're just like, man, I'm doing my thing. You want to talk to them about God, but they just don't seem receptive. They don't care about what Christians are about. They don't care about church. They don't care about God. They're just doing their thing. They're partying. They're rolling hard in society and, and life and... They say something like, man, I'd just rather go to this place and continue doing what I'm always going to do. And that hell is going to be this place of just all sinful desires just continuing in perpetuity. That's not what the Bible says. That it's actually a place of regret. It's a place of constant sorrow and sadness. It's It's a place of anger and resentment. It's a horrible, horrible place. But the worst part for me, as I was preparing this message, was that it's actually a place of separation. And this is where the key text for me about all of this is, and it's Luke 16. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus and Abraham's bosom? You know that story? You remember that story? But there's so much weight in this that I just want to read it to us. And you know how the story starts. There's a rich man who had great things and lived well, had great clothing, and had the very best of what life had to offer and was at the top. And then there was this poor man who had sores on him. His name was Lazarus and he laid at his gate. And all he wanted to do was to eat some of the crumbs that fell off the rich man's table, but the rich man never really did anything for him. So we pick it up here in verse 22. It says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. That's where he went. Then the rich man also died and was buried. Remember, this is Jesus telling the story. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And it says, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am, ang- I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus, in like manner, received bad things, but now he is comforted here. Heaven is a place of comfort. You are in anguish. And besides all of this, and this is where I land with this stuff, and this is where it gets weighty for me, because Jesus makes it clear. Between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And then he goes on, he says, but I beg you, please. He says, no. And he says, okay, well then, will you send Lazarus to my father's house because I've got five brothers. Tell them that what it's like here, they've got to know and maybe they'll listen. He said, no, they won't listen if they have Moses, they have the prophets. And then he says, but still, maybe they'll listen if someone rises from the dead. And he says, no, they won't be convinced of that either. And this is where it gets me. It's because there's a distance. This is what hell is going to be like. There's a distance. There's a chasm. There's a a fixed distance. And there's a knowledge of the goodness of God in this place, but there's no way to reach it. There's no way to get there. And this is what Jesus says. It has been fixed for all of eternity. And it's impossible to reach the grace of God. And this is why this series matters. Because we need to be people that understand eternity. We need to be people that understand what it's going to be like as the Bible describes. I want to be people that, I want us to be people that understand these are Jesus' words, not the opinions of men or the latest theory. But we can get perfect certainty when it comes to eternity. Because eternity is what? But a breath away. And the best part is that hell is avoidable. The best part is I get to choose where I spend eternity. I get to choose where I go. I just want to say this before we start talking about heaven. I just want to say this because this is really important to understand. This is very clear theology and this is the way it is. Jesus has paid for the sin of the world. So it is wrong to say, well, that person's going to go to hell because of that sin they committed. Jesus has taken care of the sin. People go to hell because of unbelief, not because of sin. It's unbelief. It's willful rejection. Because all of the wrath of God that was meant for people and for sin, listen to me very carefully. It all went and was poured out on Jesus. And what was poured onto us was the righteousness of Christ. It was imputed to us, put in our account, and all of our sinfulness was put on Him. It's actually not about sin, it's about belief. And this is why we have to talk about eternity. Because eternity awaits and eternity is there and eternal life in heaven is right there. And if we could just help people get a little bit closer and maybe talk about eternity a little bit more instead of what's happening today by three o'clock. Because eternity matters. And it's completely avoidable to spend eternity separated from God. Can I get an amen Amen. on a Sunday morning? So now that's out of the way. Who wants to talk about heaven? I know I do. Heaven's going to be incredible. I just thought I'd give you a couple of things that we can expect in heaven. give you a verse for each if you want to write them down. But there's going to be angels, angelic beings in heaven. We see it in Genesis 28, the story of Jacob having a dream in verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What else can we expect in heaven? There's going to be people in heaven. People will be there. Luke 23 and verse 42, it's when Jesus in his last moment, the very last thing Jesus does with his earthly life is save someone. He looks across to the thief on the cross and what does he say? He says, truly I say to you today, you will be in paradise. There's going to be people in heaven. There's going to be parties in heaven. There's going to be rejoicing and feasts and parties in heaven. Let me show you a verse, Matthew 8 and verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Something else is going to be in heaven that I personally am excited about is there's going to be incredible food. Who loves food here? What is it about getting older? My waistline will confirm it. You just like more food. Food becomes more important the older you get. Let me show you a great verse. Isaiah 25 and verse 6. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's army will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine. And look at it, choice meat. Praise God. I'm looking forward to heaven with great anticipation But we joke, but listen to me, heaven will have many wonderful and incredible things, but that's really on the periphery. Because most of all, heaven is where God is. Hell is where God isn't. And yes, the, uh, the Bible talks about angels being aware of the torment in hell. And yes, there's, I, I get all of that, but God is truly in heaven. And that's where you and I will be and here's a cool thing to think about this morning: is you will get to meet him personally. Just you and him. Just you and your Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but that just that's something that I could sit on for a long time and think about. When I, what's heaven going to be like? It's going to be an opportunity to meet God personally. First John chapter three and verse two: Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be is not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him look at this look at these words because we shall see him as he is completely unvarnished completely able to completely able to see god in heaven and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure So I wanted to give us this morning four foundational truths about heaven, what it's going to be like. Okay, you ready? Number one, heaven is a place where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow. No more pain and no more sorrow. They don't exist in heaven. And I'm going to give you a verse for each of these. Revelation 21 and verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things, Scripture says, are gone forever. Gone forever. So what does that mean? It means pain, gone. It means death, gone forever. It means sorrow, no more tears, no more sorrow. It means no more sadness. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease, aches and pains. We'll be gone. What about this one? No more anxiety in heaven. No more anxious worry in heaven. No more human distress in heaven. I love if you could write this down. This is just something you should think about. When God wipes away my tears in heaven, they never come back. When God wipes away my tears in heaven, They never come back. There won't even be darkness in heaven. Revelation 22 and verse 5, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. There won't even be dark night in heaven because the stars and the moon, you know what they are on this earth for us in our life is just artificial light. But in heaven, scripture declares that the the Lamb of God and God will, his radiance will light up heaven. We won't even have darkness. You think about what darkness represents dark nights of anguish and dark nights of depression, dark nights of struggle. There won't even be dark night because God will be a constant source of light. That's heaven. So number one, it's a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain. Number two, this is what heaven's going to be like. There will be permanent joy and unconditional love. Permanent joy and unconditional love. If there's going to be any tears, there's going to be tears of joy. Tears of elation, tears of pure joy. Our text this morning, First John 3, look at these words. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. It's almost this sense of John saying that unconditional love that a father gives a child when they're small. That's a constant in heaven. That's a continuation in heaven. It never goes away in heaven. You know, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and occasionally I've watched some of these testimonies or documentaries, whatever you want to call it. You know, stories about people that have died on, say, the operating table and have gone to heaven and come back. And you know, I don't put any stock in any of those because the Bible's enough for me, and I don't look at those and take that as the Word of God. It's not, it's just someone telling a story of what they went through. But this is one thing that I've observed of all those that I've, not a lot, but a few. Every single one of them says the same thing. Says that when they're there, what they experience is all they can describe it as this sense of complete and unconditional love. That there's no judgment for them in the moment, that they just feel a love, a consistent, continual love. And that's heaven. It's a place of unconditional love. John says, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, a permanent love, a constant love. You know, the highs and lows of life don't exist in heaven. You notice in life there are highs where we have these highs of moments of maybe emotional uh, joy, And we think, oh, this is great. And happiness comes into our life. We're maybe having a good season. And then there are times of sadness, maybe because of grief and loss and struggle and things we've gone through. And there's lows. And then eventually, you know, we, we get brought to another high. It's almost like the, the valleys of life and the mountains of life on the pilgrimage of life, that there's this pendulum swing between those two things that doesn't exist in heaven. It's a place of condition, unconditional love permanent unconditional love for you and for me it's consistent, it never leaves it's always there, it's, a, it's joy for eternity, that's heaven and there is overwhelming support all through scripture that describes it that way Luke 15 and verse 7 just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents And I was talking about salvation but just look at the words joy in heaven, it's right there In other words, heaven is not a place like earth where we swing back and forth, but we're just permanently feeling the joy, permanently happy. So number two is gonna be permanent joy and unconditional love. The fullness of God's love will be complete in us. Number three, there'll be no sin in heaven. I don't know, that might sound obvious, but I, I wanna explain it for a second. There's going to be no sin. R.C. Sproul said it this way. He said, could you imagine a place where there's absolutely no sin at all? We don't know that place. We've never experienced that place. We don't understand what heaven is truly like right now because we are still in our sinful state on earth. Yes, spiritually we've been made new and the Bible declares that and we do. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. But we still wrestle with our souls, and our pilgrimage towards heaven is overcoming the past and stepping into the new. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not do what I want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So there's this constant tension in this life. But heaven is a place, listen to me, friend, of total freedom from sin and bondage for eternity. The wickedness of this world, of which it is bad, won't exist. And the righteousness of God purifies all wickedness and we will live in an eternity that's completely sin free. Just try to imagine it for just a moment. Imagine a place where no sin exists. Not even a speck, not even a hint. No transgression, no iniquity, no sin. It's a place where there'll be no sin. And number four, foundational truth about what heaven will be like. Listen to me, because this is the best part. There's a place for you. What's heaven gonna be like? Well, when you get there, there's gonna be a place for you. When you get to heaven, you're not going to have to go to heavenslist.com and start looking for your own place, filling out paperwork, giving them your heavens credit check. No more paperwork in heaven. But you're not going to have to get there and think, man, I've got to go find my place and I've got to go build a place and i got to go create a space for me to be. i got to go find a home. No. Jesus told us in John 14, look at what he says. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. <laughs> in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Praise God. You don't have to worry about what what it's going to be like when you get there. God has already made preparations for you. Jesus has already gone ahead for you. He's already gone ahead into your eternal future and made the perfect place, made a space that's absolutely ideal for you. It's gonna fit in every way, every square inch. Perfect for you, because there is a place for you in heaven through Jesus Christ. And we have every reason to be confident because listen to me, friend, God doesn't make idle preparation. God takes His word seriously. He doesn't let us down. When it says that God prepares a place, it means that He prepares a place. And that's why it says in Colossians 3 and verse 1, this is where I want to finish today. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. And we're going to talk about that next week. But some of what happens here transfers there but there's a reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Sounds like our series, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Would you stand with me?